Hi and welcome to Take Me Back, the Koi podcast. The Koi we believe that every meal has a story, and that this podcast brings to you some of our favorite stories. Whether it be your first meal in a foreign land, fast food you ate on your first date, or comfort food the last time you were ill, every meal is a window into someone else's world, filled with memories, hopes, and dreams. Join us as Koi explores the intimacies behind your most memorable meals. Right here on Take Me Back. Before we get into the meat, uh, I think I'll introduce you for the rest of our listeners. So Ayushi is an aspiring home chef, if I may say so, and has gone from a, become being a Maggie Maggie connoisseur in the early days of the lockdown to someone who is sort of an expert. in southeast asian cuisine um her job requires her to work with people across the region so people from philippines thailand singapore and the likes and therefore she's exposed to a lot of different food and different culture uh which she's now trying to recreate from her own kitchen and today she may or may not be joining us from the comforts of her cupboard uh so thanks once again ayushi we're really excited to have you here hey you can definitely call me a home chef I think I've fulfilled my aspiration. I think anybody who can cook a meal for themselves is a home chef. Yes, that's very inspirational to all the home chefs out there listening. You guys are all validated by Ayushi's definition. But anyway, I will get straight into it. Uh, tell us about your most memorable food experience. Okay, so I'm going to answer this in two parts. Uh, mainly because we are recording this so close to Diwali, and I can't. Talk about the most memorable thing I've had without talking about all the delicious mithais I've been eating. Um, so I'm going to answer it as what's the most memorable thing I ate last week, and then what's the most memorable food experience I've had. So the most memorable thing that I ate has been this bomb of a mithai called kheer kadam, and it's also called double mithai because it's basically like a rasgulla meets a milk cake. So it's like this syrupy rasgulla that's covered with this thick layer of like khoya milk mixture, um, and because it's so syrupy, you have to just put it like in your mouth at once. So because otherwise it's a mess, right? And you put it into your mouth, and the first thing that you taste is like this this rich milk cardamom rose mixture, and then you bite into it, and then It's just like syrup or everywhere, like just syrup in your mouth, and you have this feeling like, I mean, like your mouth is just this mixture of rose, cardamom, and it's so decadent and so delicious. And just thinking about it now is giving me like a really watery mouth. Um, yeah, so that was the most delicious thing that I've eaten uh, recently. And I actually have a really funny story to tell with regards to this. So um, when we went to the market and we bought all of this and came back, I'd already eaten four. And then my cousin, who I was spending the value with, uh, hadn't had a chance to eat any. So there was like one left, and he was just like wrapping up his meal, etc. And he thought he was just going to eat it after his meal. And so I looked at him and I said, "Do you mind if I eat it?" And he said, "Yes, I do mind because I haven't eaten any." Um, 
and in my head i thought okay okay he's right he hasn't eaten any so you know i just shouldn't eat it um and then he turned around and i just i just couldn't help it and the next second it was in my mouth and he turns around again and he looks at me with like my face <laughs> stuffed with this thing um and like the look in his eyes was just like he felt so betrayed um and i don't feel guilty at all <laughs> i feel great i feel really good about it that is that is despicable beyond words <laughs> <I think> that, <laughs> if someone did that to me i would be absolutely betrayed and i would feel extremely irritated to say the least uh, especially if it was the last piece but i think that this is only testament to the fact that this dessert was that good that it drove you to betray your cousin who you was, who whose house you were spending diwali at if i'm not wrong so uh yeah so I, and he paid for it actually <laughs> um but hey to be fair there were like 50 other different kinds of sweets around so i didn't feel too bad but yeah no i think now my life's mission is to taste this family betraying dessert uh, that's what i'm going <laughs> to refer to it from now on but awesome no so t- tell us about the the other experience the one that you the memorable food experience you've had in general in your life thus far okay um so i spent most of my life in mumbai and when i was about 8 years old um Uh, my dad and i we were like big momo fans so we we lived in delhi before that and uh, delhi as you know has like momos are like almost like a street food there so we used to eat momos all the time like those were our favorite things to eat but then when we moved to mumbai we realized that momos there were like um but almost rare at the time i think we moved around 2010 um before like um India sort of get started getting into the whole like different cuisines and like world food and those kind of things. Um, so we were like we we were a bit unhappy because we couldn't eat our momos anymore. Um, and I remember we chanced upon this little restaurant in Andheri West. It was called Sornia at the time, and it was next to a row of like automobile shops. So it was like it was really really narrow and very very small, and it looked like the kind of place that, um, for for the lack of a better word, it just looked like a bit shady. It looked like the kind of place where you would have like really spicy Shazwan chutney that's gonna like. Um, um just be like super orange and all of that so we didn't have like super high expectations but it was actually like i think it's i've had the most delicious tibetan food i've ever eaten at this little place that was run by this old man called uncle john who was actually a monk from tibet um i mean he was he was a monk before but then he sort of um let go of all of that and moved to mumbai and started this little place um it could only seat about three tables so that was how small it was so that's why it always 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 smells like chicken broth <laughs> like always smells like chicken was uh being cooked um and so let me tell you how we chanced upon it uh basically my uh on sundays which is when my dad would get some time off of work is when like we would run all our errands and like stuff like that 
um, and we went out to get our car fixed and we saw this place and we saw like the, the board said momos and we were like, oh, we have to go there. Like we have to eat. Um, and I know my mom had already cooked at home and um, I mean, she would be really annoyed knowing that we ate outside and then came home. Um, but we just couldn't help ourselves. We were like, oh, we have finally found momos. Like we have to eat it. So me, my dad, and my sister, um, the three of us walked in and like we started with one plate of momos and the soup that comes with it, which is that delicious like steamed chicken broth. Um, and it was just, I mean, the momos were so juicy and the wrapper was so thin. And they actually gave us two different sauces. So we were like super impressed. Um, we ate that and then we also like, we got very tempted, so we had a clay pot rice, then we had bamboo rice because we were like, oh, that sounds interesting. We've never seen bamboo rice before. Um, and it was just, I mean, it had shiitake mushrooms, it had like corn, it had, um, I think it had vegetables that I still don't know what they're called, um, but it, it tasted really different. It tasted really fresh because until then I'd never eaten um, anything apart I think the the most adventurous I'd been with my food until that point was when we used to order like Hunan chicken from like the local Chinese place so this for me was like a completely new experience and also because a lot of Indian food and especially Indo-Chinese food is purely spicy right and like I said I had no exposure to any other kind of cuisine but this was just so simple and so understated like such clean like beautiful flavors and um, so many vegetables actually because I never thought of myself as, a, as the kind of person who liked vegetables. So it was just, it was such a, I think it was one of those meals that really uh, excited all of my senses, like the smells, the, of course the taste, but then also like just hearing, like, you know, when you lift the clay pot and like the steam like comes out and it was just like, it was such an experience. I, I mean, I'm thinking about it right now and it's, it was so wholesome. Um, it was, I think that's the only way that I can describe it. It was just such a wholesome experience. Awesome. And I, I, it, I love the fact that it was a ex-monk, like Uncle John was a former monk who gave up his life of monkhood to start a restaurant so i mean that that's only testament to the food being that good that he left his his life of uh, you know divine connection or spirituality to start a, a restaurant that i'm sure made some fantastic food and and you spoke about something that's interesting and something that i think that we all are now confronted with is the fact that indo chinese food is not chinese food for sure um, and it's not representative of the kind of food that's actually eaten over there. So it's a complete bastardization of uh, of that cuisine, which which I think is great in its in its own way. I think that it's fantastic because it, it's a real authentic Indian spin that we've put on on um, what Chinese food appears to be. But how is that? Was that image something you dealt with? Um, have you ever confronted that in your life? Like whether it be at Serna or it be at work or it be in other places when you live in Delhi or Bangalore 
um, how have you sort of dealt with this Indo-Chinese versus authentic Chinese debate? Um, yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up and you called it a debate because in my mind, uh, when I first like discovered uh, like Sichuan cuisine and not Chezwan, I I almost became like a bit of a snob and I used to be like, hey, but this is not really Chinese food. Like you don't, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And um, I think it's to be noted that I've never been to China. So I, I mean, I'm not sure if I don't really know what Chinese food is, but I did become a bit of a snob. But like I said, um, because I grew up eating, uh, you know, Indo-Chinese food, and for me, like that was the kind of thing we ordered when it was, you know, our birthdays or like just a special day. Um, I kept going back to it because it was such a huge source of comfort for me. Um, and so as I sort of got a little bit older and um, dealt with like my own snobbish ways. Um, I think in my mind, it's like two very distinct cuisines. So there's like Indo-Chinese food, which is, I, I would say it's like a cuisine of itself, which is, you know, the whole, like, I think you call it Kolkata Chinese. And then there's also like a Punjabi Chinese style, which is um, a bit more like richer and they use like butter sometimes. And then there's like Chinese Chinese food, which is like your authentic Chinese food from China. <laughs> um, and if I have to pick between the two, then I'm always going to pick my <laughs> chili chicken and hakka noodles from Indo-Chinese food. And today, I think that's like, if I'm sick, if I'm feeling really upset, I think I, I always go back to like uh, chili chicken that's almost like black to look at. You know, it'll be like this dark brown color, like super fried. It has no vegetables, just like a bunch of green chilies. Um, that's actually one of my favorite things to eat now. Um, yeah, so that's how I feel about it. I feel like it has an identity of its own. And for like a lot of us kids growing up, that was like the first uh, thing we ate, right? Even before we were exposed to like dominoes and like we learned about pizzas. Um, I think Chinese food was something that's very, um, I mean, we, we, I think our parents loved it and they grew up with it, which is why we sort of uh, latched onto it early on. Um, yeah, I love it. It's delicious. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't be eating anything else. If I could eat one thing for the rest of my life, I think I would pick chili paneer every day. No, I completely agree. I think that it's such a formative part of our generation's childhood. And I think even now when we go out um, to, you know, those bars we used to go to during college, we'd always order this dirty Chinese, and which all, honestly almost tastes like Punjabi food, as you said. And weirdly, pretty much all of these dive bar sort of places had only two cuisines. It only had tandoori or it had Chinese and the, the dirty Indian Chinese that we so love. So I think I think it's really like a essential part of I guess the culture that we've been brought up with is this kind of brand of Chinese food. Um, but just sort of coming back to your experience uh, at Serna, uh, I wanted to understand. So you ate the momos as your as your starters, and you had the the clay pot rice, the bamboo rice. But what was dessert like? Because I'm not sure what Tibetan dessert is usually, and what was available over here. I'm so glad you asked that question because um, 
I think again, different from like other restaurants in India, this place only had about 15 items on their menu, which at the time I think was almost like a little bit of a anti, like an anti to the 50 different options that you have when you go to any other Indian restaurant, right? So they had no dessert, but Uncle John was really fond of us and was really fond of our family. So every time, so we used to walk up to the counter to pay our bills, right? And he used to always give us two perks. So he used to give one to my sister and one to me. Um, and that was like, I, I guess it was his way of acknowledging us, but, uh, and it also made us feel so special. And I especially remember even at the time thinking, oh my God, I'm so happy it's perk. Cause you know how perk actually gives you like two different bars of chocolate in one packet. Yeah. Um, and I used to just think that would be ultimate treat because I could eat one now and eat one later and like, nothing could be better. It was like a gift to my, you know, future self. And I was, yeah, I think I remember that most fondly. And um, I think what's important to note is that the first few times that I went there, the first time it happened, I just thought, okay, he's being nice to us. The second time I went, I, I remember thinking, oh, it's not going to happen this time. And you know, and then he, he, he had it, like it was just ready. He had like two perks. Um, and after that, it almost became like a game. Like I would walk up there and I would be like, oh, are we going to get far? Or is he going to forget today? Because he was also really old. He was pretty old, right? And I almost looked at him as a sort of like a, like he was my grandfather's age and all of that. So I was like, oh, is he going to forget this time? But he never forgot. Um, and we always got perk. And like sometimes I used to wonder, why perk? You know, like, why doesn't he give us anything else? Um, but I think I was just too shy to ask then. And I wish I'd asked <laughs> some more. <laughs> but yeah. I think Uncle John is really like my new, uh, my new hero almost. I think he's like, seems like a really salt of the earth kind, kind of character. And uh, yeah, I really want to try the food at Serna. So hopefully sometime in the near future, once I can get myself to Andheri, I will definitely give Serna a shot. Uh, and yeah, awesome. I think that uh, I, the next sort of part that I wanted to understand from you is is how, how did Serna sort of affect, you know, one is your relationship with your family and, you know, you should do it as a Sunday afternoon thing where you go out and you eat together um, and also in terms of now when you started cooking on your own and you're living on your own how is this kind of food and this kind of food experience um, changed the way you perceive these two things okay so answering the first part of your question I think uh, so just continuing my story of that first time when we went to Sonia uh, so it was me, my sister, and my dad, and we ate like, like I said, we ate three things, right? We ate momos, we had the soup also, and then we had the rice. Um, so it was a lot of food. And then we went back home and our mom, and at first we decided in the car that, you know, we're just going to tell her, like, we're just going to tell her that we ate outside, like, it's fine. Um, and then when we got home, uh, we realized that our mom was actually waiting to eat with us. So that was a tricky situation. So we had to do like a complete uh, turn around and we were like, oh yeah, sure. Like, you know, we, we're so hungry. Like, oh, you know, like we're just so hungry. Like, can you just lay the food like really fast and all of that. And me and my dad actually ate some 
but my sister who is like about i think she was about 5 at the time she could only eat very little and then my mom kept asking us she was like you know i know you've eaten outside just tell me but we were just so um i wouldn't say scared but i think we were just a bit embarrassed that we didn't even pack anything for her we were just like oh no no we didn't eat anything nothing at all um and then my sister because she was really young at the time right sort of gave and she said i can't remember so my mom kept asking her and she was just like oh mujhe kuch yaad nahi aa raha which in like english translates to oh, i can't remember something which is just so vague right and uh, we we and after that we had to of course like tell her the truth and we had like a great laugh about it and um, actually over time it became like one of my mom's favorite restaurants after and i know like she would come home from work and sometimes she would just have like a packet with her and we would get so excited for that used to be like she had packed food from sonia and um it kind of just became like our go to place because we enjoyed it uh, so much and we loved uncle john we loved him and um i think at the time i was too young to really participate in those conversations and even like take them seriously right like cuz when you're a kid you just care about like, delicious food you don't you don't really care about anything else but i know my parents used to talk to him a lot about uh growing up in tibet and um his journey and all of those things um so yeah i think all of us remember that time very very fondly uh we've all moved away from manteri now and my dad actually lives um like really far away but i think it's like one of those things that whenever we are all together we always talk about it like we're always like hey do you remember that place and it's just like this you know like all of those memories just come back and you feel really like warm and happy and just so um thankful almost for that experience like um just that experience of feeling like a family or feeling like um you know like it was a street right it was like this weekly treat that was um something that we looked all looked forward to as a family um yeah and then coming to your question about have i tried recreating that at home so yes indeed i tried very often um um i actually i studied in De- delhi right you know that so when i was in delhi i was um I think Tibetan food is found much more readily there, uh, simply because of the whole immigration um, situation where we have a lot of immigrants from Tibet who come to Delhi. There's like a lot of little Tibetan colonies in Delhi. One of them is called Majnuka Tila. Um, and Majnuka Tila is a very. I think I want to take a minute and just talk about it because it's a very strange place. Uh, so you have all these immigrants who've come in. uh some of them have set up little shops but most of them are homeless uh so there's a bridge that you have to cross to get to this place and on the bridge you see like all of these homeless people and you feel like a you feel such a sense of entitlement and dread almost and you're just like you know like for me i remember i had this one very profound feeling when i was walking and i was like you know for me this is just oh i'm here for the food like i'm here to have like a good meal have a good time but for for everybody else this is like their lives right this is their whole lives and i just walked walked past this bridge and i sort of ignored this and i blocked it out because i'm like oh no 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 i'm going to have a good meal i'm going to have a good experience hmm. but um yeah i think it was strange to confront how these things like sort of coexist and all of that 
So I remember like initially my first thought was, oh, I'm so glad there's a Tibetan colony because I can eat Tibetan food. But I never thought about the struggles of like these people moving here, setting up a new life, uh, setting up livelihoods, um, not having homes. It's, it's just, um, yeah, it's just a very strange feeling. Um, but coming to the food part, so they had a lot of these little restaurants that used to serve um, a, a lot of different foods. So you had like Tibetan foods. Uh, so you had like your thukpa, you had, um, of course you had momos, you had like all of the uh, delicious like rice casseroles. And then you also had some Bhutanese food, which was like um, aloo pinsha, which is like this really spicy um, potato dish. Um, there's also a dish that I can't remember. I, I don't remember what it's called, but it's basically like this cheesy, um, it's almost like a fondue that you dip this dip thing more into. Um, it, it, it's got potatoes in it. It's like, it's, it's spiced with a lot of red chilies, but then it also has a cheese to sort of like cut through. Um, do you know what it's called? No, I don't, but it sounds fantastic. And I love yeah, Tingmo. Um, is one of the best forms of bread, in my opinion. And it really, it's one of the warmest, most like homely forms of bread that I've eaten in my past, in, in my life thus far. Yeah, I think that's what I love so much about food from the mountains, that it's just like, it's just warmth in a bowl, right? Like everything is just warm and inviting. And so um, it's like a blanket, <laughs> you know, to wrap yourself in and just feel really, um, like you feel really taken care of, uh, which to me, maybe it's because like, it's my definition of comfort food, but I really associate it with like, just warmth and <laughs> deliciousness. Um, yeah, so when, then when I moved to Bangalore, I have been on the lookout for good dividend places. I have found a few, um, but mostly since I sort of got into cooking when um, the lockdown began and also I realized I have to start eating healthier. I couldn't order out every day, which is what I was doing. Um, sorry, mom, but <laughs> um, I think one of my most, uh, I think one of, I, I was trying to make thukpa which is the classic Tibetan noodle dish where you have this broth with uh, with some kind of meat in it. In, in Tibet, I know they use yak, but um, uh, the more popular meats are of course chicken in India. And then there's also like some pork. So I was trying to make it with chicken. And um, a broth is a, it's a, it's a labor of love, right? Like you have to stand on the stove for a while. Uh, you have to let it simmer. You can't let it boil because it has to like simmer so that all of the flavors are extracted. And I know this now, but I didn't know this then. And I was a super, super impatient cook. Like I still am. I'm the kind of person who starts cooking after they start feeling hungry. So by the time I actually eat, it's been like two hours. But um, so I'm just standing there and usually what, like I, I fall prey to just um, stopping cooking a bit early on in the process. So even if I've read a recipe and it says that, oh, you have to cook till, you know, the onions are brown. I just kind of stop till it's like brown-ish. 
<laughs> I don't need for it to be proud because I'm just super impatient like that. But I remember this one time, I think I was on the phone with somebody when I was making this broth and I just forgot about it. Um, so I go back to it and I taste it and it tastes so good. It tastes so delicious. And I had a bay leaf in it. I had like cloves, I had some cinnamon. Um, and it's really, I didn't make it according to like a recipe or it, and it was not true to like how they make it in Tibet, but I just, um, I'm also kind of sparse on ingredients and I, I don't know why, I think it's because I mostly just forget to shop often. So I just add in everything that I think is going to taste good, but it was just so yummy because I mean, the oils had got to the top, the chicken had released like all of its oils into the broth. Um, and I remember at the time, I actually did a video recording of myself saying, hey, Ayushi, this is like, you know, <laughs> please remember this moment. Remember, like, this is what the fruits of patience can get you. Um, uh, yeah, but uh, it it didn't taste anything like um, thukpa, which which is what I was trying to make. But at the same time, I think any kind of broth is delicious. I just love broth. I love anything that's warm and soupy. Um, and I think that was also, that was another profound lesson in like, you know, it doesn't have to taste perfect. As long as it tastes like a good meal, you're fine. Because at the end of the day, it's you and it's your relationship with food and it's about what tastes good to you, right? Um, yeah, so those were my learnings in the kitchen. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. I, I completely agree with your definition of comfort food and, and that uh, when you start cooking, you, re you realize that it's less about perfection uh, and more about experimentation. And I think that even for me, in, to some level, uh, during this lockdown period, it's been a so for, sort of form of, uh, I wouldn't say self-care, but it's something that I do on my own. Um, and I like to do with without anyone else interfering where I can try out different things and, you know, make mistakes and put ingredients that shouldn't normally go together uh, just because I can. And it's such a rewarding experience at the end of the day. Uh, and so fulfilling when you eat something you've made with your own two hands. Uh, so I completely relate. And what's next for hashtag eat with Ayu? What, what are the next dishes or cuisines that you're planning to explore whether it's like cooking them yourself or ordering in or going out even in this crazy world we live in. Before I answer your question, can I ask you one? Yes. Okay, so you spoke about experimenting. Can you tell me two questions actually? So what is like the wackiest combo that you've ever made and that was like really good and you didn't expect it to be? And the second question is, what is that one ingredient that you can't help but put in everything that you make? So for me, I think that would be bay leaf. Um, I was one of like, I was a bay leaf skept, uh, uh, skeptic before, but I, I was very skeptical about it. I was like, you know, what does this even do? And it's just like this huge leaf that's in like all of your food. And then I realized that you can't tell if something has bay leaf in it, but you can definitely tell if it's missing. And after that, if there's a pot of water boiling in my house, it always has a bay leaf in it, no matter what. I boil pasta with bay leaf in it. So what is that one thing for you? 
Uh, that's a fantastic question. I think for me, uh, it's it's more of a uh, it's more of there's this company actually run by my friend's mum called Yo Mami, which which do like artisanal jams and things like that. And uh, she uh, had this batch of jalapeno jam, which I have now been abusing uh, across anything I've made, whether it was this peanut butter and jelly, I mean, a jam sandwich where I put this jalapeno jam in, or if it's on just like a plain paratha, it is genuinely one of the most delicious things I've eaten in my life. So yeah, really shout out to your mommy and Sachin's mom. Uh, I think it was one of the most interesting purchases I've made in the past past few few months for sure. Um, and I think it's a personal interest of mine and a personal flavor preference. But I really like lemon. And I remember we were trying to make dosa and uh, unfortunately my household dosa is not fantastic given that we are uh, we try to make a very uh, very good Jew version of dosa. <laughs> and, uh, so I I like a lot of lemon. So we were trying to make the masala for the dosa. So the whole alu was going on. And I accidentally squeezed, I think it was maybe three or four times the required amount of lemon juice for the for the alu, which I'm not sure if it's authentic or not. My apologies to my South Indian girlfriend and everyone else who <laughs> who is, knows how to make good dosas. But uh, I put like an excessive amount of lemon and it tasted fantastic. And it was just the strangest thing because I consciously remember putting too much lemon, even though it was an accident. But I was very... Like, after it happened, I was very aware that it happened. And now, every time I make it, I just put, like, a bunch of lemon lemon juice in it. And it tastes wonderful. So, that was my discovery uh, that I actually noticed, which was unlike most things, which I put a bunch of different things in, and I, it tastes good at the end of it. But this one was, like, the only uh, thing I felt where I was elevating an already existing recipe or already existing dish. So That was cool completely relate to both your jalapeno jam story and the lemon because I have been abusing uh, chili jam that I bought a couple of weeks ago and I've been eating it with everything. Um, of course, I'm eating it with bread, I'm eating, with it, eating it with parathas, but I'm also eating it with kids and it tastes so good. And I know like crackers and chili jam are kind of like a classic combination, but I've actually been eating it even with like hide and seek. And I know it sounds really strange, but um, for for all of our adventurous listeners out there, I dare you to give it a try because <laughs> it's so yummy. It's so good. Um, and with lemon, actually, I had this whole phase when I was a kid where I used to put lemon in everything. So I used to put lemon in my dal, I used to put lemon in my water. And I think one of the most, um, I almost felt like it was a science experiment because this one time I put some lemon in hot water. And you'll notice that if you put lemon in hot water, it almost becomes sweet. So if you eat, if you drink just lemon and hot water, it's almost like, it's, it's very sweet. It's not as acidic as um you know like like a lemonade it's just this sweet nice thing um and yeah i think that's like <laughs> that's my experience with lemon um 
Answering your question about what are some of the things that I'm excited to try out in my kitchen, um, I hate rajma. Um, and as like I belong to a very Punjabi family, and I remember every time I used to come home from college, my grandmother used to make rajma because she used to think, "Hey, everybody likes rajma. How can you hate rajma?" And my mom each time would be like, "She hates it. Why did you make it? She doesn't like it." And then she just asks me, "Oh, she don't like rajma." But why? <laughs> why do you not like rajma? Um, but uh, so I'm trying to sort of experiment with beans in general because I realize that I really like refried beans in Mexican cuisine. So now I'm trying to trying to make like a Louisiana style um, red beans and rice dish with like bacon and sausages and just sort of experiment and see how I like it and get to the bottom of my Bean, um, bean banishment issues. Um, the second thing that I'm on the lookout for is crunchy foods. Um, so because I'm trying to cook most of my foods at home, um, I realize it's a bit hard to um, incorporate crunch into your food, that, especially if it's not baked or fried. Um, I'm also pre-diabetic, so I'm trying to be like really healthy about um, fried stuff. So I want to look out for crunchy foods, but healthy crunchy foods that are not fried. And I know a lot of people say that, oh, but you can, you know, crunchy lettuce and like cucumber, but I want like that thin crunch that you get from like fried stuff. Mm, so far, the things that I've listed are croutons, kakra, and pambar. But if you have any suggestions, please let me know. That's my new quest to my crazy crunch conundrum. Awesome. And to everyone out there who is listening, please do assist Ayushi in her search for the next crunchy item. And we, yes, she, will be, please. she will be most grateful if you can find her something that's crunchy but not fried. And delicious, of course. I think that goes without saying. Uh, otherwise, people can recommend all sorts of ghatia and other very odd Gujarati snacks that fulfill the criteria but aren't the most appetizing which i'm allowed to say because i've grown up eating them so sure <laughs> uh, but no anyway it was great talking to you ayushi thank you so much once again for taking the time out and i will hope to join you on some of these adventures soon yes i can't wait thank you so much and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about all the things that I think about in my kitchen and um, sort of convey only to the cups in my home. So this is really fun. Thanks a lot. Oh.